Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, your host, Dead or Dead is Maller, speaks to artists and entertainers about their day jobs and, well, you read the title. Yes, on this episode, I sat down and spoke with, via phone, comedian and actor Jim Jeffries, international comedian Jim Jeffries. This is another interview that came up, uh, apart because of my work with Dig Boston. He is coming here to Boston to perform at the Box Center Wang Theater. He's bringing his new tour, The Moist Tour, on Saturday, February 26th. Get tickets at boxcenter.org, or he is on tour. So if he's coming to a city near you, go to jimjeffries.com, look at his tour, see if he's coming to you, buy tickets. It's going to be a good one. We talked about the tour. We talked about the new show. Uh, we talked about his old show, Legit, and the Jim Jeffrey show. He was very open and honest about a lot of things, especially uh, his relationship with his former co-workers, his former castmates of Legit. And it was a really good interview. I'm getting, uh, because of my ability to be a good interviewer, I'm getting a lot more interviews with bigger names. Which, by the way, I will say, I have more episodes planned, more interviews. It's just, unfortunately, scheduling has been a huge issue with a lot of my guests. Even though we have the technology to do this remotely, it has been an issue for a lot of them, and I can understand that. So please be as patient as I am. New episodes will be coming soon and shortly, because I think I do find very interesting people uh, with very interesting jobs to present to you, because, as I always say, uh, it's interesting the things that we have to do during the day to support what we want to do at night. Also, I do want to apologize for the audio quality of this episode. For those who know me, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for listening and welcome. But for those who know me, know that I have a nice uh, podcast studio home setup, and it works great all of the time, most of the time, I guess I have to say, because it did not work as supposed here. I have a rig to where I can plug my phone right into the system, and I can record calls, separate tracks, great audio editing, and stuff like that. Unfortunately, despite the fact that I tested the phone system prior to our interview, and despite the fact that it worked perfectly after our interview, it decided to not work during the interview. Of course it wouldn't. Sometimes I think I'm cursed. But nonetheless, we still were able to persist through the technical issues and have a conversation. Uh, unfortunately, the phone was on speaker and going into my microphone. So it's not the best audio quality ever. But you can hear him. You can understand him. I'm disappointed, but so are things. The conversation, I think, is well worth the not as stellar audio quality that I usually present on a show. It's still a phone call. Like, even if it was working right, it's still via phone. So it's not the best to my usual standards. But that's okay because, like I said, the conversation is what's most important. And you can hear him. And that's all that really matters. So please enjoy my conversation with comedian and actor Jim Jeffries. Hi, Jim. Were you having trouble hearing me just a second ago? I was. I can hear you now, though. Okay, yeah, I pulled the, uh, just put the phone on speaker. I don't know why it wasn't sending audio. I just did a test and made sure everything worked, and it usually works. I use this every day, but no worries. We'll do it this way. So. Hey, I'm sorry about the, they just told me about the, the, wanting to film it and all that type of stuff. They just told me, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I was I, at the time they called me. I was changing a baby diaper and I'm covered in baby vomit. And I just I, I couldn't. <laughs> no worries. That's cool. If you told me a few hours early, I just uh, I, I, I I I pulled this time out for such for, the, for this exact call, you know. 
Hey, no, I appreciate it. Appreciate. I kept telling the people if you want to do either or. I don't know what they tell you, and I don't know what information you're given, but I gave all the options out there. Do not worry about it at all. I'm just glad that you take any time to talk to me. Uh, and I, 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 literally, I literally just get an email going, you got a phone in here, a phone in there, a radio there, a radio there. And you know what I mean? It's just, it, 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 it would have been a whole production to get ready to do a bloody camera thing. You know, I, I, Not that I'm like a lady who takes a long time to get dressed or anything like that. I just... Uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 Don't worry about it. Dude, like, I have everything in my house set up just so I can walk in and do video Zooms and all that stuff uh, because I have to. I understand the production everyone else needs to go into to get it done, so do not worry one bit. Um, So, uh, all right, let's go ahead. And uh, By the way, how are you? Because I know you had to postpone because you were in the hospital or you had to emergency? No, no, no. I had to postpone some gigs because my baby had COVID, my wife had COVID, and I had symptoms. I had full-on symptoms, but I never tested positive. So I don't know whether that was just me uh, being a hypochondriac <laughs> or just willing it in my mind or or whatever. But maybe maybe I'm the cure. Maybe Fauci should take my blood and see what he can do with it. Because cause I, I, I was being vomited on by a person with COVID, you know. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, dude, I've gotten this far as well and uh, have keep testing negative as well. Maybe they should do, take blood from the both of us, mix it together, and start handing that out as the vaccine. Exactly, but I, I, I don't know you that well, but maybe that would cause a new virus that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take the blood from two drunk comedians and start injecting it into people. Yeah, we, yeah. everyone's just going to get surly and even more sick. Yeah, I, I, I'm living my life now because my big concern was baby or the baby and the baby had two really bad days like was sick was sick sick for a couple of days but then after that was fine you know and it was it was uh but like i'm glad we got it out of the way almost you know but now you know i i i've been traveling around the country telling jokes doing meet and greets with people i'm triple vaxxed i i uh, my baby's had it. I, I'm just living my life. I, I, I wear masks to be respectful of others, but I, I, I'm not worried about anything anymore. That's good. Yeah, I mean, there is a point where we just kind of have to accept that this is our life. You know, some people have to go back out and do things. Like, we're okay with the delivery drivers going out to work and making a living. Why can't the rest of us go back and out, out there as well? Uh, to a degree. Like, you know, I do mostly, uh, my, my work's freelance as, you know, I'm a, a comedian, but two, a lot of my money comes from doing freelance podcast recordings. And I deal with so many people that still believe that you can't put two people in a room and safely record a conversation. It's crazy. By the way, on that, so I, I didn't know you had a second kid. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I, a, little, a little COVID baby. You know? <laughs> I got married and then, and then we, me and the wife were going to wait a year and then maybe have one. And then uh, I think he was conceived about two months after we were married. So it was pretty quick. I was wondering, uh, how A, because he's what, about 10 now. So how was he... Nine. Nine, yeah. Uh, how is he handling the like? How does a nine-year-old handle the pandemic and masks and stuff like that? Oh, well, he hasn't got it either. Well, he, you know, he was pretty good. We got him vaccinated and all that type of stuff. He, uh, he handles it pretty good. You know, he, he, he's got his mates. Like, thank God for online gaming. I'll say that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that kept him connected to all of his friends and and you know all that type of stuff. So, so he, he's been pretty good with it, really. I feel like it's been two years, so, you know, going seven to nine is a pretty sort of big big chunk of your childhood, you know? Yeah. And and so so you try to make it as fun as possible. So 
we're getting out there. We're doing things, you know. Good. And then, uh, did you? Uh, was there any? I, 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 was there any pushback from his mother about the vaccines again this time around? Oh, no, no. His mother was <laughs> mother was fine. Yeah, that that story, that story's slightly embellished anyway. I'm sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, so she, she was. Uh, she was. She was fine. Uh, good. And then uh, I, d- I'm curious to find out how well did you handle having to teach your kid uh, from home, like Zoom learning? Did you have to go in there and now learn how schools in America well, work? I, I, didn't mi- I didn't mind Zoom learning. I like having my kid around. I, I always find it weird whenever you hear parents go, I can't wait for the kids to get back to school. It's like, are they that much trouble to you? I, 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 he, he basically runs his own life, you know. He tells me, I... I I just make sure he's fed, make sure he's clean, and make sure he's doing his homework, you know. But apart from that, I, I take him out the weekends and all that. But he's got his own social life, right? Type of stuff. But people always go, I can't wait for the kids to go back to school. But the bloody school runs a pain in the neck. It, 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 you have to get them to the bus stop really early. And then they get, they get you know, the school day ends at like 2.30. It's like my day doesn't end at 2.30. It's always, you know, you have to break your day up to go pick them up and drop them off. Uh, that's great to hear because uh, I also uh, was working uh, sound at a comedy club and again as a comedian myself I've been listening to nothing for the past year of comedians doing the same uh, shitty hacky jokes about not being able to teach your kids on Zoom so it's lovely to hear somebody who has a positive aspect on it I love it thank you well I wasn't teaching him the school was teaching him <laughs> you know I, I had difficulties I had to learn how to do long division again you know like I know how to do it in my head I just don't know carry the one or whatever you know <laughs> but, but, but it, no no it was good having him around we'd have lunch together when he was his lunch break oh I like his company he's, he's my he's my friend <laughs> well speaking of the you know have the relearn uh things you obviously as all your fans know and if they couldn't uh, figure out by your accent you grew up in australia uh you yeah. lived in england but you also moved to america at some point um and as a comedian who moved from australia to america uh, who grew up in, you know, you're only a couple years older than me, so you grew up in the 80s and 90s, where television between our two countries are vastly different. Now, with the internet and everything, you know, you can watch the same programs everywhere. When you moved here to America, did you have to try and re-familiarize, not re, but familiarize yourself with American comedians and American comedy? Yes, and no, by, by that stage, I was very aware of things, and, you know, also... By that stage, like so, uh, the early 2000s, DVDs, you could buy anyone special. And stuff. But growing up, I often get asked what comedians influenced you. And the, the truth is, I can't give you an answer that that you're going to know who the comedians are because all I saw on Australian TV was Australian comedians, you know. I, I, I saw Eddie Murphy's Delirious. That was a big deal because that was released, released on VHS. But... We didn't get HBO specials. You know, my first experience of George Carlin was he was Rufus from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> uh, Richard Pryor was an actor to me. You know, we didn't even have, we didn't get Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. So even when you saw something like Wayne's World, you didn't know that it came from a sketch. That that didn't sort of register, you know. I, and so so I saw all those those Bill Murray movies and, you know, Dan Aykroyd and all that type of stuff. I, I didn't know there was a show Saturday Night Live and, the comedians never came out to Australia to perform, you know, and not that I would have ever been taken there as a kid. So I, I never had any exposure. So it was just Australian comedians and 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 Eddie Murphy. But then after that, when I became a comedian and I started, 
you know, I always say it's a bit bit wanky to say study the craft or anything <laughs> like that. But when I got more into it, you know, obviously people said, oh, you got to watch this guy, you got to watch that guy, and that that's when I started watching comedies. Really, after I became a comedian, you have jokes about it, and I'm sure you've met uh, plenty of celebrities in the world. Um, how do you? Has there anyone you ever ran into that that you've been starstruck by? Because I've worked in radio, I worked in you know comedy, TV. So my life, I've met tons of celebrities, and I just in my brain already told myself, don't get starstruck, just treat them like normal people. Um, was that uh, for you when you started working in LA in the entertainment industry and running across people? Was there anyone you ever came across that you just got starstruck, goofy, walked away, and it's just like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I still get starstruck by meeting celebrities. You know, I've become friends with a couple, not, you know, yeah, look, look, I, I, I'm friends with Russell Crowe. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy, and I was starstruck when I first met him, you know, and now he's just me mate, you know, it's so changed. Brad Pitt came on and was the weatherman on my show, and he's just the nicest guy you could ever meet. But I got, you know, you get, I, I got starstruck when I met him. I, I don't think it goes away. But then the, 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 the flip side of the coin, I don't think I get, like, I, it's not like I can't talk in front of or anything stupid <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? You're not crying like Michael Jackson fans. Yeah, then, then I get the flip side of the coin. Sometimes I'll do a meet and greet and people will come up to me and they'll, be, they'll start to stutter because they, they're starstruck. And I think, starstruck of me? Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, so... So people have their things, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anyone that I was like, where I was like, it was like, oh, Paul McCartney. I met Paul McCartney uh -huh. at the improv, and I could hardly talk. <laughs> but I, I, I still kept it together and sort of went, hey, thanks. For and he was like, you're really funny, man. You're really dirty. And I was like, and I just went, yeah, I, I am. That's all I could get out. You know? <laughs> I, this may fall flat because of not knowing Saturday Night Live, but there's a, a Chris Farley bit where he meets Paul McCartney, and the oh, whole thing I is him. It. Yeah, I love that sketch. <laughs> it's just, uh, that was awesome. Uh, okay. Uh, well, that, that's the fun thing about me. I, I've got like fucking 40 seasons of Saturday Night Live to get through. <laughs> Sometimes I just watch, I watch, I literally just watch a season from 1992 and I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're putting a lot of old episode or old sketches too, like on their YouTube. So sometimes you'll just get a sketch from like eight years ago or a sketch from 18 years ago that just come up on YouTube as new and it's a uh, fun and great. Um, by the way, oh, that I watch them on the Hulu. they're all sitting there. Oh yeah, there's that too. Um, I, that also reminds me, since you brought up Paul McCartney, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but he, a couple, a year or two ago, two, two or three years ago, played with the remaining members of Nirvana with, uh, Kurt Novoselic and, uh, David Grohl and I think Pat Smear. Um, yeah. and he gets interviewed afterwards and he goes, yeah, this was a fun thing to do. These guys were great. And they go, Hey, did you know they were in a band called Nirvana? He goes, no, no idea who, had, who they were. They, they seemed like they knew each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so oblivious to everything. Your comedy is well known for being two things with most audiences, um, especially mainstream people that know you're tangentially through things, uh, is that you're, and you brought it up, offensively crass, uh, but you're also very insightful, especially when it comes to like uh, progressive and social political viewpoints. Uh, have you ever found that some of your audiences clash because some come to you for your viewpoint, some oh, come to I, your crash? I've, I've alienated the left and the right. And I, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't meant to, but I have left-wing people who hate me and right-wing people who hate me. And I'm just like, I guess that makes me a moderate, I guess. 
that shows the comedian brain. You went to, you've you've uh, made the left and right hate you. Not, I've made the left and right love me. You've made them hate you. That's classic comedian brain. Well, I, no, I, I hope I've made a lot of moderates. Like, look, I have, a, I have left-wing opinions and I have right-wing opinions, and I don't even look at them like that. I just look at, oh, this is what I think, you know, and I try to on stage just sort of give it, you know, and there's like I say, on the Jim Jeffries show, there's things I look back at and I go, yeah, maybe I should have left that alone, or maybe you know. But the problem with that show was every week you had to talk about something, and the problem with being a political pundit or whatever it was, you know, um, if you asked me an opinion on something, I had to give it. I had to go, okay, with push comes to shove, that's my opinion. But with most people. My opinion on these things are things that maybe it was my opinion, but I didn't really give a shit on some of the topics. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't give a shit about. There's certain things that I don't, and I don't want to get into it now because then I have to answer that fucking question. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but it's it's. Uh, I, look, I just, I just, I, when I see certain comics, there's things that say Dave Chappelle has said that I don't agree with, but I still think he's a brilliant comic. And, and, you know, from all reports, a really great guy. I don't know the guy, you know what I mean? But it's, I don't have to agree with every single topic he has. And I agree with some of his right-wing topics. I agree with some of his... Uh, don't agree with some of other topics he has. I just think, surely you understand that we're all individuals and you can enjoy a person on a level of, do they make me laugh or don't they? You know, but it turns out that's not the case for many people. Many people are all or nothing people. You know, so that person's bad, that person's good, that person, you know. So it, it, it's not a, like, I'm looking at all the comedians who, who are, they're trying to cancel at the moment, you know, different different uh, comics. And so, you know, my friend Jimmy Carr is in hot water at the moment because he, he said a joke on his special. I, I, can, I can only tell you this, Jimmy Carr is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my life. I won't say a bad word about the guy, you know what I mean? And then, like, the Joe Rogan thing, me and Joe get along fine. I, I, you know, I don't want to speak on that matter. You know, it's it, it's it's not up to us to fucking get in trouble for other people all the bloody time either. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. Also, and I will say, Jimmy Carr's uh, Netflix show, The Fix, I watched that uh, every, I watched an episode of that every night before going to bed. And, it, you know, it's a collection of good, funny, hilarious people and just a good uh, panel formatted show. I can tell you this, you know, like Bob Saget dies and the whole world comes out and just has story after story after story about how Bob Saget has helped them or when they were early on, and he helped me early on in my career and he was so supportive, he was a guest star on my uh, two TV shows, he was on the Jim Jeffrey show and on Legit and he didn't get paid jack shit for that, he got a couple hundred bucks or whatever the union minimum was to be on the show, you know, and... And he just, if you if if you need me, I'm there. He'd help you out. He'd give you if you give you everything that bloke. He's just the nicest fellow in the world. And I don't know if the public knew how nice a person he was until he passed away. And I'll tell you this about Jimmy Carr: if he when he he's as nice as, as Bob Saget, he, he, the same thing. When Jimmy Carr dies, there won't be a fucking there won't be many people who say a bad word about the guy. He 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 supports uh, young comics. He, uh, he 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 helps you out if you're having a bit of trouble. He's always the first to reach out to you and make sure you're okay. If comics visit Britain from overseas, famous comics, he always takes them out to lunch and takes them to the best clubs and stuff like that so they feel welcome. Furthermore, 
He was fucking joking. What Whoopi Goldberg said was much more offensive. <laughs> and, and seriously, ignorant and stupid and shit. Look, this is a lady who's had a history of, of, of asking fucking uh, Ted Danson to do blackface. She changed her name to Goldberg, right? And to now say that, oh, it wasn't about race because they were both white people. And she got a two-week suspension when, when uh, what's the name, uh, Sharon Osbourne who I've had run-ins with Sharon myself. I'm no big Sharon Osbourne fan, right? But Sharon Osbourne, she uh, she fucking defended Piers Morgan and she's off forever. So I, I just don't know what the, the standard is now. Who's, you know, I feel the left and the right are being a bunch of fuckwits now. Yeah, they just keep moving the line back and forth. You don't know where the line is. I'm not excusing what people... One rule for all or one rule for none, you know? I, yeah. I don't know. This is a conversation, but me even saying this, uh, it will, we will get me in trouble with some people. <laughs> it will. Yeah. Well, hopefully those people don't listen to this podcast, so what do you really do? Uh, going back to a little bit lighter of a uh, subject, talking about your fans, have you ever met one where you're like, oh, I really wish you were not my fan? I really wish you weren't <laughs> here watching me with such excitement. Yeah, well, you get that, of course, because it's, you know, like, let's say I have over the world a million fans of people who have bought tickets to see me or whatever, you know. I've, I've played to at least that amount of people who have bought tickets, you know. And, you know, they're not all going to... I have to assume that I've performed in front of yeah, a serial killer or two and a few pedophiles, and, you know what I mean? Like, like that, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird question to ask if all my fans are good people. Basically, it's impossible. <laughs> It's just John Wayne Gacy in in clown makeup and and pantyhose, listening to Intolerable, just putting on lipstick. Like, oh, I can't wait to eat somebody tonight. <laughs> of course, you're gonna have a few. Nuts. And I'm, just, I'm I bet you there's a, there's a few people that I'm fans of that they don't want me to voice that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's the musicians and stuff that would say, oh, I'd rather you just kept your mouth shut about me. Actually, don't don't pipe in. <laughs> Uh, okay, and uh, I'm. You brought up your show, uh, the Jim Jeffries show. Which, by the way, before I even talk about that show, legit. Uh, I had heard of you before, legit, but I really didn't become a huge fan uh, of you and like know you and and digest your material until I saw legit second season on FXX. Uh, was great. I, the show was amazing. Yeah, like, the, the second season I think took a big leap forward. I'm very proud of that. I, I like the first season. The second season, I'm I'm super. I got I got I got more heavily involved in the production and the writing and the this and the that. You know, I was you know, heavily involved in all of it, but I sort of I sort of um I, I it was more my vision of what I wanted the second season. And the third season we were ready to go. I have the scripts ready to go. And people ask me, they go, Oh, will that show ever come back? And the answer is now no, because Billy should be dead. You know, we had we had a character from season one that was dying and now it's eight years later, and <laughs> so we we can't really bring it back, you know. Um, but me, Dan, and DJ, the three main actors in the thing, we're all still incredibly close. The three of us, you know, it was it was a very um, happy set in that sense that the actors and the crew we all got along. You know, there was there was moments with people or whatever with any workplace, but. Um, but for the most part, there was a lot of love on that set, you know, and I missed that show deeply. That's good to hear. Uh, uh, well, I was going to... I will say this about... I will say this, but people who give me shit and all that type of stuff, you know, if you look back on those episodes, 
all, all 26 of them. I don't believe that there was ever, in any format, on any TV show ever, uh, dis- disabled people were represented better than on that show. Thousand percent, disabled correct. people were, were uh, given sympathy, they were given laughs, and uh, that in a dignified way. And even if they were being teased, they were teasing each other or something like that, I don't believe there was anything in there that I'm ashamed of and with how we dealt with the disabled community. And I think now, when you talk about we need more, um, what's the word, uh, when you, diversity, right? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, even like they talk about like, oh, we need different people, sexuality, different race, different that, different this, different that. The disabled community hasn't been spoken for in that conversation. We haven't said that they need to be, you know, represented a lot better. Not once. So, you know, I think that was something good we did. And you know what? You beat me to the punch of the question, that, which was going to be about how you have uh, a lot of, you featured, uh, respectfully, a lot of disabled uh, actors. So this is the reminding me of the question to write for the answer that you just gave me. So great job uh, being a good interviewee. imagine you know when you're first on the call sheet creating something you're also responsible for providing jobs and a living for people and also there is you're creating you know a lifestyle for people as well because a community uh you're bringing people together i felt that on the jim jeffrey show sometimes you'd get you know a writer that was angry for one joke you told or you'd get you'd get people who thought not enough of their jokes got on or crewmen it's like I was stressed out a lot. I think people thought that, that you know, when the show's called The Jim Jeffrey Show, that, like, you're the boss, you know, but I, I, I was hyper-conscious that my performance, um, um, how good my performance is kept everyone employed. You know what I mean? I was fighting for everyone's jobs all the time, you know? So I, I, I was well aware of that the whole time. 
Uh, the last question is, of course, you're coming uh, here to Boston uh, to the Box Center. Uh, you've just started back up your tour. I think you're hitting the road, what, in like four days with D.C., right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, of course, you'll be here in Boston at the Box Center February 26th. Um, so it's a new tour. You've been out for out of the game for a little while. I'm sure you've collected a lot of good material with the pandemic uh, and life. I, I, I have to trim the show down. i got too much material. <laughs> I, Perfect. I, I went for two and a half hours the other night on stage of all new stuff, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, because I've had too much time to think about this. You're pent up with all your comedy stuff. I, I wrote two, two years of material, and it normally takes me a year to write an hour. I didn't work for two years, so I wrote two, you know? And then you're now I'm in the third year of COVID and I'm writing another out. So it's, it, it is what it is. But the good thing is, you know, you can start weeding out the jokes that are a bit mild. And, you know, I, I, th I think it's the tightest show I've ever had. Like for last per minute, I think this is the tightest show I've ever had. Excellent. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Well, Jim, it was really great talking to you. I very appreciate all the time that you gave and uh, how willing to participate you were. Uh, and how open you were. So I'm going to let you go back to uh, changing diapers uh, and uh, being with your family. And uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, at the end of the month here in Boston. Appreciate it, mate. I appreciate it.